Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.16 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the last day of June, the 30th, 2021. This is episode 446 of Bitcoin. And I got a message from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Lays this shit out better than any Bitcoin maximalist that I've ever heard. My father told me when I was a child, people in authority lie. And we all, if we are going to continue to live in a democracy, we need to understand that people in authority lie. People in authority will abuse every power that we relinquish to them. And right now we are giving them the power to micromanage every bit of our lives 24 hours a day. They're going to know where we are. They're going to know the money that we spend. They're going to have access to our children. They're going to have the right to compel unwanted medical interventions on us. We, you know, the Nazis did that in the camps in World War II. They tested vaccines on gypsies and Jews. And the world was so horrified after the war that we signed the Nuremberg Charter. And we all pledged when we do that. We would never again impose unwanted medical interventions on human beings without informed consent. And yet in two years, all of that conviction has suddenly disappeared. And people are walking around in mass where the science has not been explained to them. They are, they are doing what they're told. They are orchestrating, these, these government agencies are orchestrating obedience and it is not democratic. It's not the product of democracy. It's the product of a pharmaceutical-driven biosecurity agenda that will enslave the entire human race and plunge us into a dystopian nightmare where the apocalyptical forces of ignorance and greed will be running our lives and ruining our children and destroying all the dreams and dignity that we hope to give to our children. All right, in case you're young and live in a different country and don't know who Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is, he's the son of uh, RFK, Robert F. Kennedy, which was the brother of John F. Kennedy, who was the president of the United States that was blown away. Uh, I won't even get into that one because um, I have my own thoughts on that, as you might imagine. <clears throat> However, here is a man who grew up in a political family, knew all the pitfalls of politics, knows exactly, you know, what to say, when to say it, who to say it to, 
you know, watched his father as the Attorney General of the United States when his brother was in office and then get himself assassinated when he was running for president himself after JFK got murdered. All right, let's say, just call it what it is, murdered. <clears throat> he knows that what he's saying is going against the grain of pretty much all mainstream politics. And, you know, one of the theories behind how's, how his uncle, uh, JFK, got blown, why he got blown away is not because people wanted to extend the Vietnam War, um, although that did happen. No, 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 no. It was more because JFK at one point or another wanted to reintroduce a, a precious metal standard, particularly in the form of, a, I think it was a silver certificate. And that was going to happen. And within, I think, something like a few weeks after that, uh, he was uh, dead um, in Dallas. So, you know, do with that what you want. Now, while that's all this shit's a downer, we might as well go ahead and get through the, the shitty part of the news for Bitcoin this morning. Let's start with the FATF and their report on extreme right financing and how it highlights cryptocurrency use. Yeah, here's the new narrative. Now, we speculated this was coming. We knew it was coming, and it is here. It just so happens that it's coming out of the FATF uh, first. So let's get into it from Coindesk. Ian Allison is writing it. The Financial Action Task Force, or FATF, a global anti-money laundering watchdog, has released a report on the ways extreme right-wing groups are financed, which includes a section on, you guessed it, cryptocurrency. The FATF's report, titled Ethnically or Racially Motivated Terrorism Financing. You see where this is going? You better be prepared for it, man. Oh, by the way, this isn't going to replace the ESG narrative. They're just building narrative upon narrative. So we got to fight what we've already been fighting. And then we got to find the energy to fight this shit too. Okay. So anyway, that report points out that virtual assets like Bitcoin have been used by extremists who have been gradually shut out of the traditional payment platforms in the same way extreme right-wing groups have been blocked from social media. The report highlights that some extreme right-wing groups have switched to the so-called privacy coins like virtual assets that allow a user to maintain total anonymity when making blockchain transactions. That's in a quote, so they don't understand how blockchain works, by the way. It's worth noting that the blockchain's underpinning virtual assets have end-to-end -end encrypted varieties, leave some form of record of transactions as opposed to cash, the preferred medium of exchange for criminals and terrorists. Oh, okay. It's also worth noting that other that other unconventional funding vehicles merit scrutiny. Now, this is a, uh, they've included a tweet or two tweets from the FATF uh, Twitter account. Could you, can you imagine being that social media manager? Oh, man, that's got to hurt, Val. All right, so the first one is on June 30th. That was today. It says, property is central to their fundraising activities. Groups use real estate to generate funds, recruit new members, conduct training, and share extremist ideology. Authorities should target their property to deter terrorist financing and disrupt related financial networks. The response to that by FATF itself is as follows. Extreme right-wing groups also use concerts, music festivals, mixed martial arts events, and merchandise sales to raise funds, socialize, and network. Differences in legal systems can make it challenging to target producers of extremist material. That's the end of the tweet. Quote, 
There have been plenty of interest in VAs, virtual assets, from different ERW, which is extreme right-wing groups, and individuals looking for anonymity, especially after being removed from mainstream payment platforms, the report states, adding, quote, ERW actors that feel more security conscious and desire a greater level of secrecy often choose virtual assets. However, notably, there is limited information on the volume of funds being transferred in this way, end quote. The FATF report goes on to list examples such as one far-right organization in South Africa that created its own stablecoin that operates on a one-to-one -one ratio with the South African RAND. Quote, the stablecoin, managed by an application-styled pay, pay app, enables the group to use digital money as cash, said the FATF report. The transactional data lasts 24 hours and is thereafter untraceable. End quote. FATF said bank statement analysis on the South African extremist group showed that the organization raised about $17,500 in funds. Other examples include Scandinavian ERW group Nordisk, sorry, Nordisk Strike, the, uh, <clears throat> sorry, which only gives cryptocurrency addresses on the organization's donation page. A financial investigation into the terror attack perpetrated by the Christchurch mosque shooter in New Zealand in March of 2019 found that he had made use of virtual assets to transfer funds, the FATF report said. And they give a link to the full report, which I just, I can't stomach right now because this is fucking ridiculous. Right? So the FATF jumping on the new narrative bandwagon expects central banks to follow probably sometime either like late this week or early next week. That's just, that's, that's my guess. Okay. So now we have this one out of, oh God, what's his name? Representative Bill Foster. You're going to love it guys. Blockchain caucus co-chair representative Bill Foster identify crypto users and reverse transactions. That's what he wants. Let's get into it. Adriana Homaker is writing it for Decrypt. Laws should be passed to allow federal courts to identify holders of Bitcoin, <laughs> good luck, <clears throat> and other cryptocurrencies and reverse crypto transactions, according to Democratic Representative Bill Foster of Illinois, co-chair of the House Blockchain Caucus. Let's just stop. Reverse crypto transactions. Who's gonna be more likely to be able to reverse crypto transactions? Ethereum and all the rest of the shit coins. Why do I say all the rest of the shit coins? Because there's no such thing as a shit coin without some kind of leader, CEO, or something like that. There, pick one, except possibly Doge, I guess, because it's been, basically been left out in the wind to twist for so long. And honestly, Elon doesn't have any control over it. So, he, I mean, it's, it's kind of out there by itself. So there's, probably, I don't know, three or four that maybe don't have any kind of centralized control. So those are going to be not as easy to do, but Ethereum? Oh, yes. Bill Foster is going to get his wish with Ethereum because that particular system is purpose-built to roll back transactions, i.e. the DAO back in 2015 or 2016, somewhere Somewhere very early, honestly, very, very early in, in Ethereum's uh, life history, the very one of the actually was the very first quote thing that happened to Ethereum was rolling back the entire chain. All right. So <clears throat> let's just kind of continue here. Speaking during an online event for news outlet Axios on Tuesday, Foster called the cryptocurrencies 
to be pseudo-anonymous so that the regulators can see, quote, if transactions on the network are fraudulent. Good luck doing that with Bitcoin, pal. According to the representative, the startups or the current status quo where a court order was often needed to unmask transaction participants was unacceptable if American businesses and individuals were to be protected from ransomware attacks. Here it is. Instead, a third party should be able to learn about the identity of crypto transaction participants through a very heavily guarded key. These people have no idea what they're talking about, guys. Foster acknowledged that his demands were likely to drive the crypto purist berserk, but not really, <laughs> but argued that there's not a technological alternative that I'm aware of. In fact, crypto advocates have been surprisingly quiet on Foster's remarks. The main reaction appeared to be incredulity because one of the key tenets of many cryptocurrencies is that they can't be shut down or interfered with by third parties. Caitlin Long has a quote basically responding or she's got uh the market watch uh oh god the link to the market watch article in her tweet and above it she says really this is from the co-chair of the house blockchain caucus sounds like our industry has some work to do in dc she, what she's referring to is that foster doesn't understand how this shit works and he's co-chair of a blockchain caucus oh my god dude anyway <clears throat> Long's reaction, Caitlin Long, was typical, while, other while others argued that Foster's suggestions were the result of lobbying from banks determined to roadblock the wider adoption of crypto. Foster's remarks should also be seen in the light of a wider crackdown on cryptocurrencies throughout the world. Yeah, well, they talk about China. We don't need to go through that. Meanwhile, the UK has acted to further regulate the industry and has placed curbs on the activity of Binance, the largest crypto exchange by market volume. Foster indicated that U.S. regulators were getting ready to increase their vigilance as well. Quote, there's a significant sense. No, okay, back up. I'm going to pause here. Let's collect our thoughts. This is the most important quote that Foster said, and you need to wrap your mind around it, and you need to do it right fucking now. Quote, there's a significant sentiment, increasing sentiment in Congress that if you're participating in an anonymous crypto transaction, that you're a de facto participant in a criminal conspiracy, end quote. Do you need me to read that again? Let me paraphrase it. If you make a Bitcoin transaction, you're a de facto criminal. That's what Foster's saying. We got them on the ropes. The problem with having somebody on the ropes is, is that they have a little bit of back support so that they can kind of come back up swinging. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. The fight has just begun. It's really, really, we're just entering the ring at this point. Are we going to have the spine, the guts, all the fortitude that it's going to take to be able to survive this fight? Ask yourself that question. Some of us could end up in jail. I could very well end up in jail. Many of us could end up in jail, and there's not, not a damn thing to, that we can do about it. Unless it's a <clears throat> situation like in um, oh Tombstone, the movie, where after the battle at the OK Corral, the sheriff comes up and says, well, we're going to arrest you all. And Kurt Russell just looks at him and said, I don't think we're going to be arresting anybody today, Behan. And, you know, that's because he's armed, and he's got all his brothers around him. You know, I mean, could you imagine, you know, if that were to happen today? <clears throat> Cop comes up, 
tries to, you know, bust a Bitcoiner, but all the other Bitcoiner friends basically pull out their iron and just, you know, level it at the authorities. I'm not calling for it. I'm just saying that you push people too far and you're going to get shit like that happening. It doesn't matter where. It just happens because people get tired of being pushed around. We're going to get pushed around and we're going to get pushed around hard because we're doing something that will take the power away from anybody that has power today. And they're not going to like that. So you need to gird your loins, ladies. All right. Now, the final paragraph. Okay. Talking about the conspiracy comment of Foster. If that's the case, there are probably a great many criminals out there. But while Foster's remarks has been greeted with scorn, they cast a nasty chill for U.S. crypto users. All right, I'm going to say the words. Regulatory arbitrage me all the way down to Costa Rica, you know, Guatemala, Belize, El Salvador. There are going to be countries that have been so poor for so long that they will welcome anybody, not just Americans. They will welcome anybody with open arms who will do the following not walk all over their culture, not financially enslave them, actually build goods and services that make sense for the area that you're in, respect the language. You do those four things and you will be, you will be welcomed with open arms in many of these places. And together, it's possible to actually change the world, but it doesn't mean it's going to be very easy. No, not at all, because we have this one. A Bitcoin ETF presents real risks of harm, says Australian regulators. So here comes Australia. Scott Cipollina has it from Decrypt. <clears throat> the Australian Securities and Investment Commission has said that crypto exchange traded funds can present a real risk of harm to consumers and markets. The consultation paper released Wednesday reportedly shows the ASIC, ASIC, and they're not, they're not talking, they're talking about the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, not, not ASICs. Anyway, the... The, the report released Wednesday reportedly shows the ASIC allowing crypto funds on the Australian Securities Exchange with caveat that the proper protections must be in place first. The, these products must be developed and regulated carefully in order to maintain market integrity, ASIC said. ASIC considers that crypto asset ETFs have novel and unique fe features that require consideration of whether such products can support fair, orderly, and transparent markets and comply with our regulatory framework, the regulator added. Australia has adopted a fairly libertarian line on crypto in the past. In May, Australia's Financial Services Minister Jane Hume said that she would not stand in the way of any Australian seeking to invest in crypto. Quote, I would like to make something clear. Cryptocurrency is not a fad. It is an asset class that will grow in importance, Hume said at a Stockbroker and Financial Advisors Association conference. Quote, if you want to invest in Dogecoin, I won't stand in your way. Personal opportunity and personal responsibility are two sides of the same coin. Well, shit, she got that right. While Australia appears to have somewhat of an appetite for crypto, it is still playing catch up. In Canada, crypto ETFs have been established for months. Canada has already embraced the crypto ETF industry. By April of this year, Canada had eight crypto ETFs, four dedicated to Ethereum, and four dedicated to Bitcoin. Further south, the United States is still wrestling with the prospect of a Bitcoin ETF. Although a number of firms, including ARK Invest, Cryptoin, and Van Eck, have filed applications with the uh, SEC, 
They have yet to approve any Bitcoin ETF application. Despite the reluctance, some high-profile Bitcoiners like Anthony Scaramucci, whose owns Skybridge Capital, has a Bitcoin ETF application in play, maintain that the U.S. will accept its first crypto ETF in the not-too-distant future. Well, not the way they're going, Ant. <clears throat> I'm telling you, man. They're just sitting on their ass. Do you know how many ETF applications are out there on their desk right now? I used to be bitching about this when it was eight. Now it's 13. It's like the SEC is just purposely not doing anything. And they all the only thing that they do do is they push back the date by like, you know, 40 days or 60 days or something like that. It's like they just can't wrap their mind around it, so they are not going to even try to wrap their mind around it. Let's see, what do we got here? World's largest interdealer broker, TPICAP, to launch Bitcoin trading platform. So Bitcoin Magazine's Nomsios has this one. TPICAP, the world's largest inter-dealer broker, will launch a Bitcoin trading platform in partnership with Fidelity Digital Assets and Zodia Custody later this year, reported Deal Street Asia. Quote, investor interest in this new asset class has exploded dramatically in the last six to eight months, said Duncan Trenholm, co-head of digital assets at TPICAP. Per the report, quote, in most of our conversations with clients, they want a separation of custodial roles from execution capabilities, which is the opposite to the models that exist currently, end quote. TP, ICAP, Fidelity, and Standard Chartered Bitcoin Custody Unit Zodia, whoo, that's a mouthful, want to make Bitcoin trading more similar <coughs> to trading traditional assets such as stocks, bonds, and foreign exchange. The platform, which is set to launch in the second half of 2021, reportedly seeks to attract more prominent risk-adverse investors into the Bitcoin trading market by separating trade execution and settlement and offering post-trade infrastructure with a network of Bitcoin custodians. Credit risks are currently increased because the same institution usually provides Bitcoin execution and custody services. Flow Traders, an Amsterdam-based liquidity provider, will be in charge of providing liquidity to the platform which is currently awaiting approval by Britain's financial regulator. TPICAP is the world's biggest interdealer broker active across financial, energy, and commodities asset classes. The firm operates in global, wholesale, over-the-counter, and exchange-traded markets, matching buyers and sellers, and it claims the role it plays facilitates price discovery, the flow of liquidity, execution, and risk management in global markets. Fidelity Digital Assets, in turn, is a subsidiary of Fidelity Investments <clears throat> and provides Bitcoin solutions for institutional investors, including enterprise-grade custody and execution services. In March, Fidelity filed for a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission and joined a trade group one month later to pol lobby policymakers for favorable Bitcoin regulation. The final participant in the platform, Zodia Custody was born from a partnership formed in December between Northern Trust and SC Ventures, a unit of International Bank Standard Chartered. Therefore, Zodia aims to bridge the banking sector with the technology sector by providing Bitcoin custody solutions for institutional investors. So there you go. Now, again, check it out. The world's largest interdealer broker. Have you ever heard of TP, ICAP before in your lives? Probably not. I haven't. 
But here's, this is the great, one of the great things about Bitcoin. Have you ever, did you ever think when you were 10, 12, you know, I don't know, senior in high school, did you ever think once before the existence of Bitcoin that you would be tearing into economics the way that you're tearing in, into economics? Bitcoin's real threat is not, well, okay, the number one threat to Bitcoin is a complete replacement of all the world's financial institutions, therefore all the power bases across the globe. That Yeah, that's pretty much primary. However, it's not just being in existence that does that. It's the fact that all the Bitcoiners out there, whether knowledgeable in economics, but more importantly, the guys that were not knowledgeable in economics are tearing in and finding out just how the modern legacy financial global system works. And the more we tear into it, the more we find out just how evil, disgusting, rotten, decaying, idiotic, and inhumane it really is. To wit, the latest piece by Alex Gladstein talking about the financial oppression of 15 African countries by the fucking French. You've never heard it before. I didn't know that shit was going on. Never been reported on ever. Alex gets in there and basically just un just unfurls the curtains and we're all looking at this humanitarian disaster of extreme financial proportions. So Bitcoin gives us the weapon. However, we ourselves turn into the weapon when we basically detach ourselves from believing a single thing any of these people that we were taught to believe say. Yes, we were taught to believe them in school. Doesn't matter what country you went to school in, unless you were homeschooled and your parents basically told you not to trust anybody. Now, my kids are in, in public school, but I tell them basically to question everything, including their teachers. It's like, don't believe anybody anywhere ever except in math because uh, and only unless two plus two equals four, not that bullshit racist whatever crap where they say two plus two equals five. And if you say it doesn't, you're racist. Yeah, no, 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 no. That one, I won't put up with that crap. That's ridiculous. <clears throat> but I do tell my, my children, and I will raise them until the day that I'm in the dirt. You don't believe a single one of these people. Find out for yourself. Use what they say to figure out where to go to look up the information, but go figure it out for yourself. Do not trust these people. And especially don't trust them now because all they're doing is spending their time coming up with narratives to secure their power base into the future. That's all they care about. They do not care about truth. They do not care about science. As Robert F. Kennedy told us at the beginning, they don't. And they also do not care about you. They don't care about me. And they don't care about my children, which makes them enemy number one in my book. All right. Possibly a ray of light at the end of this tunnel. Senator Cynthia Lummis backs crypto for U.S. retirement plans. Oh my God, Coin Telegraph just—it's like they're—it's like they're Brian Armstrong. They're just allergic to saying Bitcoin. Anyway, <clears throat> he's got it. It's right here. U.S. Senator and Bitcoin proponent, proponent Cynthia Lummis would like to see United States residents turn to Bitcoin 
and they actually finally write the word Bitcoin as part of a diversified strategy for their retirement plans. Speaking during the CNBC Financial Advisor Summit on June the 29th, Senator Lummis stated she would like to see Bitcoin and other crypto assets become a normal part of diversified asset allocations used for retirement funds in order to protect from inflation. Quote, I'd also like to see individuals be able to use Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies of their preference that are safe, that have met the hurdles of anti-money laundering and bank secrecy act, she added. Now, before you jump all over, Cynthia, she has to play that game. She has to. She has no choice. She cannot be a sitting U.S. Senator and go against AMLKYC. There are limits to the direct tolerance of what she can get away with. That doesn't mean don't give her shit. Always give these people shit. When you see shit, you need to th throw it back at them. Without that feedback loop from us, they don't know how far over the line they're stepping. They know where they are in the Senate, but they don't know where they are with us. So if you have a problem with what Cynthia just said, by all means, make sure that she knows that you have a problem with cryptocurrencies being like cryptocurrency as a word, Bitcoin, not shitcoin. And also that you have a problem with AML KYC. Make sure she knows that you think that it's inhumane, that it should be illegal. Make sure she knows that, that you're always pushing back on that. It's okay. You can do that. That's your right. Lummis emphasized the importance of maintaining a diverse asset allocation, warning of the inflation risk caused by government spending and money printing. Quote, the Congress spends trillions and trillions of dollars and is flooding our, our economy and the world economy with U.S. dollars. There's no way that we cannot debase the value of the United States dollar, end quote. While U.S. citizens have been able to include crypto assets in their retirement portfolio since the Internal Revenue Service first issued guidance on the sector in 2014, the practice of holding digital assets in one's retirement plan has remained a niche practice. However, despite the first crypto-friendly retirement plans beginning to emerge in 2020, many analysts are skeptical of the trend. Of course they are. On June the 22nd, Senior Vice President at Alliant Retirement Consulting, Aaron Potitin, told CNBC that plan sponsors in general are still very unlikely to want to adopt any type of cryptocurrency into their investment lineup, end quote. During the interview, Lummis revealed that she currently owns five BTC. Oh man, dude, don't do that. Having bought her first Bitcoin in 2013 for roughly $330, Despite her Bitcoin bullishness, she emphasized that diversification is the key and not to go all in on BTC. Quote, I don't want everybody putting all their money in Bitcoin, just like I don't want everybody putting, uh, want everybody putting it in dollars or putting it under a mattress. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so like I said, you know, if you want to combat, <clears throat> you know, Cynthia, may, do, do so. Keep a little bit of acidity. Don't be complete, like all cloyingly sweet, you know, sweet and shit like that. But also don't burn her at the stake either, okay? Find some kind of happy ground to make sure that she knows that you think AMLKYC is criminal and that the use of cryptocurrencies of anything other than Bitcoin is basically a fool's game. Let her know that so that she knows what the hell to do and let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities, although I should probably switch over to markets, but I'm already here. Let's go ahead and get it. 
Uh, West Texas Intermediate is up a quarter of a point, $73.18. Brent North Sea, however, wow. Uh, 30, it's up 0.39%, but $75 a barrel for Brent North Sea crude. Natural gas has come down a half a point, $3.61 for 1,000 cubic feet. Gold is rallying by 0.17% to 1766 and 60 cents. Silver is little, doing a little bit better, three quarters of a point to the upside. It's at $26.10. Platinum is down uh, 0.6 of a percent. Copper is up 0.08. Palladium, however, rallying the most, 2.64 to the upside. Uh, agricultural futures are mostly down. Corn, however, got pummeled like, a, ooh, God dang, down 3.14%. Holy shit, poor corn. The corn, yeah, we're all the corn is getting pummeled today. We'll get to that here in a second. Uh, let's see what else is going on here. Oh, let's see. Nasdaq is up half a point. S and P future or S and P is up 0 0.08. The Nasdaq is down 0.11, and the S and P mini is moving basically sideways. Let's get into real money and see what the carnage has wrought. $34,000, sorry, $34,315.86 for the price of one Bitcoin. 217,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is just over 9,000 transactions on average per hour. With half a million and change of Bitcoin being sent in the last uh, 24 hour period, that's 24,000 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 2.6 BTC and a median transaction value of 0 0.029 BTC, just under 10,000 or sorry, $1,000, which is kind of where it's been for a while. Block times are 15 minutes and 29 seconds, people. Woo, let the bitching begin. 0.69 BTC on a per block basis in fees and 63.5 BTC in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a slight dip in hash rate over the last 24 hours, but we are down to 88.22 exahashes per second according to BitInfo charts. Your shitcoin indicator, as usual, is Dogecoin. 22.7 pennies, and it shouldn't even be two. All right, Clark Moody is registering 47,567 transactions. They are waiting on 43 blocks to clear. We have a $642 billion market cap, which is capturing 5.58% of gold's total market cap. And for your one Bitcoin, you can gather up 19.4 ounces of shiny metal rock. Uh, there are 18,745,097.75 BTC in circulation at the time, and 1,642 of those are in the Lightning Network that is valued at $56.2 million, being run over 12,084 nodes that we can see, with 51,135 open payment channels that we know about. Uh, percentage of Tor capacity has hit yet another all-time high at 64.9%. That is running over 6,666 Tor nodes that we can see and contains 1,065.5 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. That's gonna do it for finals.
Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We, we're going to start this one off with a piece by Peter Chihuahua from Bitcoin Magazine. Open Node and Big Commerce partner to bring Bitcoin payments to 60,000 merchants. My, that's a lot of merchants, man. <clears throat> Bitcoin payment infrastructure provider Open Node has announced that its technology will be leveraged by e-commerce company Big Commerce, bringing Bitcoin payment options to more than 60,000 merchants around the world. Quote. Our partnership with Big Commerce is another important step toward meeting surging merchant demand for Bitcoin payment acceptance, said Julie Landrum, Open Node's head of growth, in an email to Bitcoin Magazine. <clears throat> Excuse me. Quote, response from Big Commerce merchants has been incredibly positive uh, and follows huge success powering payments for the Bitcoin 2021 conference in Miami. Payments are changing and OpenNode is excited to drive access and scale with forward-thinking payments and platform providers like Big Commerce. End quote. You better put a tie on that suit speak. Big Commerce merchants <clears throat> will have the option to settle sales in their preferred currency, local fiat, or Bitcoin. And OpenNode Bitcoin acceptance is compatible with any Bitcoin wallet. Through the membership or partnership, they will have the ability to offer on-chain and lightning network payments. Thank God. With Bitcoin-enabled payments, these merchants can appeal to the growing number of people around the world who seek to transact in BTC. Quote, consumers today want the option to check out on a, web <clears throat> on a website through whatever means makes them most comfortable, be it a traditional credit card or an emergent technology like Bitcoin. And our goal as an open software as a service platform is to work with industry-leading partners that can help make this che that checkout variety possible, said Mark Rosales, Vice President of Business Development, Payments, Banking, and Fintech for Big Commerce, per a release shared with Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, we're excited to work with OpenNode to offer Bitcoin as a payment option for Big Commerce merchants. That's kind of a big deal, y'all. So that's good. And the, the best part of that is that it's going to be Bitcoin main chain and lightning payments. So we're, we're getting there, guys. We are slowly but surely. Just so happens that as we crawl up this cliff face and, you know, extend all our energy to not falling to our deaths, we have to combat all the carrion eaters that are flying at, around our heads like, Bill Foster. Anyway, Kano School accepts cryptocurrency as school fees. This is from KanoFocus.com, which is a Nigerian outfit. So be aware, this is going to be a translation, okay? It's a little rough, so please bear with me. <clears throat> hey, they're doing what they can. It's short too, by the way. A private secondary school in Kano Metropolis has started accepting payment in cryptocurrency. Kano Focus reports that the new Oxford Science Academy, Chirachi, said it adopted cryptocurrency to ease the payment of school fees. The school principal, Saubi Musa Haruna, said the decision was taken after due consultation with parents. Quote, we've decided to accept cryptocurrency as school fees because the world today is tilting towards the system. We believe one day digital money will gain more acceptance than paper money, end quote. Mr. Haruna added that countries like El Salvador and Tanzania are already accepting cryptocurrency in their schools. He therefore urged the federal government to quickly embrace the system and, get this, regularize it. Regularize. 
Let's get it all regularized. Man, that was cool. All right. That, all right so uh, yet another, like, uh, uh, this isn't a university, guys. This is a private school. I think it's elementary. Pretty sure, you know, maybe elementary all the way up through, you know, their version of high school. But it's private and they're going to start accepting Bitcoin. And yes, other cryptocurrencies. We're not going to be able to get away from these things. And I'm not saying that means embrace it. Call that shit out at every chance you get. But my feeling is that people like Brock Pierce are always going to be able to prey upon the ignorance of the masses and can sleep at night and have no problems with it. And because people like that in the world exist, you're going to end up having to deal with cryptocurrency. Now, I'm, not, I'm just going to be Bitcoin only because everybody's going to accept Bitcoin. But when I go to a merchant and they're like, would you like to pay in Bitcoin, Monero, or Dogecoin? I will tell them that Dogecoin and Monero are shit coins and that I'm only going to pay with Bitcoin. But that's all that I'm going to tell them. I'm not going to sit there and get into a freaking diatribe with some 16-year-old who has no idea what the hell's going on. But I will make sure that they understand that my thoughts are that anything other than Bitcoin is worthless. Let's talk about Argo blockchain. It secures $20 million in Bitcoin-backed loan to expand its Texas mining farm. Bitcoin <clears throat> magazine from Nomsios. Bitcoin. Somebody tell me if I'm messing that pronunciation up. Is it? It's N-A-M-C-I-O-S. Nomsios seems right, although it could be named Kios. I don't know. Somebody level me out on that shit, please, because I just... I hate the thought of continuously mispronouncing that like one single name. Bitcoin mining firm Argo Blockchain has announced that it secured $20 million loan agreement with financial services company Galaxy Digital, that's Novogratz's group, for a term of six months using a portion of its BTC holdings as collateral. Quote, we are delighted to work with Galaxy Digital LP as we pursue our growth plans and to form a solid relationship with them as a financing partner. This agreement allows Argo to secure competitive terms on a loan facility while, <laughs> sorry, on a loan facility while also allowing us to continue to hodl our Bitcoin, end quote, the CEO of Argo, Peter Wall, said in the announcement. The London headquartered mining company plans to use the loan proceeds to continue building its data centers in West Texas and meet its operating cash flow requirements. Argo ventured into the state last month when it secured two hydropower data centers that amount to 20 megawatts of power capacity from renewable energy sources, seeking to fulfill the company's green goal. But perhaps more importantly, this loan format allows Argo blockchain to expand its mining operations while refraining from selling any of its Bitcoin holdings, a somewhat counterintuitive move in the mining industry that also demonstrates an institutional huddle mentality. However, the edict entrenched in the Bitcoin community to hold one's BTC funds until hyper-Bitcoinization is more than a mere novelty. Those who understand Bitcoin's fundamentals and therefore its potential are usually really reluctant to sell the underlying asset because on its way to full adoption and complete monetization, Bitcoin will climb steeply in purchasing power against conventional fiat currencies such as the dollar. As a result, Bitcoiners might resort to borrowing U.S. dollars against their Bitcoin, for instance, to cover any dollar-denominated expenses while abstaining from paying capital gains taxes. But as institutional players venture into a HODL mentality, both they and the Bitcoin network win. 
By refraining from selling, market participants might make number go up even more and are likely to fuel Bitcoin adoption, liquidity, and maturity further. And miners, specifically, who have traditionally needed to sell their mine BTC to cover operating expenses, now see another option. By taking a loan against their Bitcoin, miners might be able to reduce that very same debt over its term as Bitcoin appreciates. Additionally, their short-term, or rather, their short, medium, and long-term purchasing power might increase altogether for as long as their expenses remain priced in fiat currencies. So there you go. Now, there's one thing about this that made me kind of stumble here. Argo ventured into the state last month when it secured two hydro-powered data centers but they're essentially in West Texas. Now, I'm from West Texas. I still live in, well, I live in the High Plains, but it's still considered West Texas, but I was actually born in, in the Permian Basin, which is about as West Texan as you get. And then I lived a long time in Lubbock when I was going to school and working up in, up in Lubbock, and that was considered West Texas. Let me tell you something about West Texas and what it's not. It's not wet. It's not like we have a shit ton of hydro. So I don't know if their hydro plants are located somewhere else and they're just, you know, able to use the transmission lines to get the power over there and, you know, or power the grid part of Texas. And then somehow or another say, well, because we add this many megawatts to the Texas grid, we'll, we'll take this many megawatts down over in West Texas. Because as far as I know, there's not a, a, a large reservoir capable of doing a hydroelectricity anywhere close to West Texas or Eastern New Mexico for that matter. So let's, I don't know what to say about that. Let's move on. The fallacy of the taper talk. Bitcoin Magazine, Dylan LeClaire has this one. Quote, the monetary policy goals of the Federal Reserve are to foster economic conditions that achieve both stable prices and maximum sustainable employment, end quote. In the Federal Reserve's mandate, there are two stated goals for their monetary policy. Stable prices and maximum employment. With these two stated goals, the Fed is implicitly telling the market that any taper talk is complete nonsense, and here is why. Now, what? let me, let me pause for a second. They were talking about being a little bit hawkish in the future about the possibility of, you know, tapering off the balance sheet, you know, doing this, doing that. But it's all nonsense, and, and, and Dylan's going to tell us why. The entire economic system is built upon credit. And to maintain full employment and stable prices, i.e. 2% inflation targeting, credit cannot be allowed to contract. Let's dig into some of the recent trends in the real estate market for context. Median prices for single-family homes have increased 14.6% year-over-year, fueled by, again, record low mortgage rates over the last 18 months. But what happens if the Fed tapers? What happens if the Fed stops buying mortgage-backed securities at a clip of $40 billion per month? The Fed taking the punch bowl away from the markets would mean bad news for risk assets, real estate is included. It is important to remember that real estate is among the most leveraged asset classes in the market as it is commonplace to buy with only a 20% down payment or even less. Dude, or even less? Hardly anybody uses 20%. We all should, but none of us do. Okay, that's just, that's not the way that, that that's not the way that the market works anymore, Dylan. So you should say 10% 
or even less, okay? So if the Fed tapered and real estate prices declined, what would that mean for the broader economy? It would be another disaster, but this time, in my opinion, this is my opinion, he's done, Dylan's done. In my opinion, it would be an absolute unmitigated disaster that looks 10 times worse than the 2008 thing. Because 2008, in my opinion, was just driven by greed and the, and the ability to use these newer financial instruments. What we've seen post 2008, and especially over the last few years, and when I mean few, I'm talking like three, and moreover, this last year with COVID. Everybody, like all these institutions, let's take BlackRock, for instance, has oodles of cash. They don't know where to park it because they know if they park it as cash, it's going to lose its purchasing power in the future. And why do they know this? Because they know that the Federal Reserve printing money is not good for the money that they already hold. They'll tell us that this is the way it should be, but they themselves know very well what happens when you have uncontrolled money printing. So they're parking their cash. BlackRock in, in specifically is parking their cash in single family residential homes. And that has caused the price of single family residential homes to skyrocket because inflation, you can't get away from it. So if they were to taper and you get a credit contraction, Dylan's saying that all these asset prices start to decrease and then it's like to the exits. BlackRock, I, in my opinion, something like that happens. BlackRock will try to get rid of all their single family homes. They will dump it on the market. Price ha ha pricing of houses will crash and anybody stuck in the middle is gonna get screwed, screwed. It's not gonna be pretty y'all and I don't think they're gonna be able to contain it. So this is why Bitcoin. Let's find out if India does the same. Slow but not steady, India's stance on Bitcoin and crypto is evolving. Crypto, why crypto? Well, because this is from Cointelegraph. Anupam Varshni is writing this one. India's Reserve Bank has long since condemned the use of cryptocurrencies. But other than the Supreme Court striking down its 2018 bill last year, the Indian government's stance on cryptocurrencies has been largely uncertain. On the one hand, top sources tracking the government's stance says it has shifted away from the idea of a complete ban. On the other hand, more banks have started barring cryptocurrency-related businesses from accessing their services, including ICIC Bank, or wait a minute, ICICI Bank, Patum Payments, Yes Bank, and most recently, IDFC First Bank. The Reserve Bank of India's stance is understandable. As the body responsible for ensuring the country's ability to absorb financial shocks, it has repeatedly pointed out the risks of using cryptocurrencies. Still, some banks cite the 2018 circular as the reason for freezing accounts dealing in cryptocurrencies despite the RBI having repealed it earlier this year. According to reports, India's market regulator, the Securities and Exchange Board of India, will oversee legislation for the cryptocurrency sector once Bitcoin becomes classified as an asset class. Sources also suggest an expert panel is being put together to study the technology and that the parliament's monsoon session will discuss introducing a cryptocurrency regulation bill. India has taken drastic measures to curb the amount of cash that goes untaxed, including demonetizing its 501,000 rupee currency notes back in 2016. 
one of the biggest concerns of the Indian government is how cryptocurrency affords a degree of anonymity to its users and how it could be used to finance terrorism, launder money, and help others with forms of criminal activity. Of course. However, this raises the question of whether cryptocurrency investors should pay the price for the inefficiencies of digital law enforcement. Quote, Ever since the Supreme Court ruling in March of 2020, crypto-related trading has gained immense traction in India, especially among the millennial and Gen Z investor community. Summit Gupta, CEO of India-based cryptocurrency exchange coin DCX, told Cointelegraph, adding, quote, well-meaning regulation will help strengthen the crypto ecosystem in our country, end quote. In March, Minister of State Finance Arnag Singh Thakur stated that the government was collecting income tax on cryptocurrency earnings and even collected goods and services taxes from exchanges. However, he also noted that the government doesn't maintain any data on cryptocurrency earnings since it has no means of capturing such information. And Gupta added, quote, we will continue to collaborate with other peers in the crypto industry to place our collective suggestions before authorities, end quote. Shivam Thakural, CEO of BayuCoin, <laughs> one of India's top exchanges, believes the RBI will eventually come around. Quote, I strongly believe that the RBI is not against any financial innovation, which has the potential to boost the Indian economy and create jobs for the youth, he said, adding, quote, the RBI's main concerns are around the misuse of the power crypto assets have, end quote. However, Siddharth Sogni, founder and CEO of cryptocurrency research farm Kribako Global, seems much more optimistic about India's readiness for blockchain technology. Technologically, we're ready. Re regulated environments are easy to live in and will enable the government to monitor crypto transactions, he said, adding further, quote, India needs a dedicated department to regulate the crypto space. Not regulating them will only encourage the black market. Oh, poor baby. He also adds, I have complete faith in the RBI and we can expect clarity on regulatory guidelines for crypto assets soon, TM. The country's approach for classifying cryptocurrencies as an asset class is positive news for the space since it matches various other countries' routes to create better frameworks for decentralized currencies. Quote, Cryptocurrencies have been viewed as a digital asset by the Australian Taxation Office for some time now, said Michael Swan, founding member and chief commercial officer of asset custody services firm Unido. He opined further, quote, we see the steps taken by India as a natural progression and consistent with global sentiment, end quote. <clears throat> However, there are concerns surrounding the cryptocurrency regulation bill that is to be introduced into Parliament. After the RBI circular in 2018, the government set up a panel to report on news pertaining to the crypto space. In 2019, this panel recommended a blanket ban on digital currencies. India's finance minister has stated that India will not shut down all options for cryptocurrencies, which some construed as a possible ban on private cryptocurrencies, paving the way for a state-backed <clears throat> central bank digital currency. However, with the younger generation flocking to digital assets as the older ones did with gold, this could be a huge lost opportunity for millennials and Gen Z individuals just entering the workforce. 
The RBI's inability to provide the Supreme Court with enough evidence that cryptocurrencies need to be banned means there is some pressure on Indian authorities to allow cryptocurrencies in the country. However, Indian investors, especially the younger ones, are being pushed from confused to disgruntled as obscure regulations bring the fear of missing out on the giant swings of cryptocurrency markets offer. Quote, India is one of the youngest countries with a large number of people who are early adopters of technology. Currently, we see more and more people between the ages of 24 and 40 adopting crypto, said Gupta. However, when asked about whether India's plans for a CBDC were seeing any footing, he refused to comment. He added, quote, India needs a dedicated department to regulate crypto space. Not regulating them will only encourage the black market, end quote. After the RBI booklet outlining possible plans for a CBDC, there has not been any media statement around India's official CBDC, said Thakral, adding further, quote, we have seen reports around major banks moving towards blockchain, and it could be a sign that banks are laying the foundation for making a CBDC a reality, end quote. Indian investors appear confident <clears throat> about the industry's long-term growth despite the recent market crash, and market experts and leaders seem optimistic about how authorities will legislate crypto in the country. Though progress is slow, things appear to be moving, but with a market of close to 1 billion users, India's stance on crypto is of global concern. You damn skippy it is, brother. Okay. So India doesn't know, all this basically means is that since, basically since 2016, India has absolutely no clue of the difference between an, their ass and a hole in the ground. They continuously flip-flop. The RBI does things outside of what the government tells them to do. And then they state some letter that was written in 2018 as the reason, even though that letter was basically overturned or rescinded or whatever you want to call it, it is Honestly, what India represents is mass confusion. I, I, the, the, it, I don't care if, if, okay, well, I do kind of, it'd be kind of cool if India adopted Bitcoin. Let's just say that. One billion users all at once, whoop-de-doo. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime real soon. So I'm not concerned if India adopts Bitcoin and the wider, I don't know, wider shitcoin markets or whatever. All I care about is Africa and Latin America right now. Those are the two most important places on the planet for, for us. That's my opinion. The West will follow. It, the West will have to follow. But currently, the West doesn't really need to follow. They're, they're just watching. But India represents to us what true confusion looks like between the legacy financial system and the legacy governance system while they are getting pressure from 1 billion people. Okay, let's say 10% of 1 billion people, but that, that, that's a lot of people, okay? 10% is 100 million people. That, that's a lot of screaming voices, right? They don't know what to do. This is not going to change anytime soon, not only for them, but you'll see this confusion going to Australia, Japan, Russia, China. When, when the West and the rest of the first world starts catching up, you're going to see this level of confusion, right? Not everywhere, but just, I'm just saying expect it. So let's, let's move on. Complaints against crypto exchanges rise in the U.S. And guess who tops the list? Ha, you're going to love it. Coindesk's Sebastian Sinclair has this one. As cryptocurrencies have become more popular, complaints against major U.S. crypto exchanges have increased. 
According to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau of the top three crypto exchanges operating in the United States, Coinbase has received the most complaints during the past year. Oh, you deserve it, Brian Armstrong. Take a bow, you bald bitch. Some 1,060 complaints have been registered against Coinbase with gripes about domestic and international money transfers, digital wallets, and foreign currency exchange, according to the CFPB's Consumer Complaint Database. California residents had the most gripes with 131 against the United States' most prominent exchange, while New York followed closely behind. Washington, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Texas, and Florida also registered larger shares of total complaints against Coinbase. Binance US, which is operated by BAM Trading and is a separate entity from Shang Peng Zhao's Binance, received 184 complaints, and Kraken, another major exchange, received 34. The complaints stretch from the end of last June through the present time and capture a time when the markets were beginning to shake off prior bearish sentiment as prices recovered from a sell-off in May 2020. By comparison, the same, peri- uh, the same period of the previous year saw far fewer complaints, with Coinbase receiving only 241, Binance 17, and Kraken none. The CFPB's data shows Coinbase, Kraken, and Binance US did not immediately respond for comment. So Coinbase, the shittiest exchange in the United States. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, let's go into hump day with dad says jokes. I've applied for a job in a salad packing factory. The hours are terrible, but apparently the celery is good. Get it? Celery? Nice. Okay, Uh, again, hump day. We gotta make our way through it. Uh, We've had a dump over the past, I don't know, what, 10 hour period. Uh, You just gotta have to deal with it. God only knows what that was caused by. just motor on, y'all. You know, keep the faith. Do all the things. Warn all the people about all the shit coins. And you'll be fine. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And. And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.